for our morning session. I'd like to talk a bit about meditation and about the foundations of mindfulness. Yesterday, we were focusing very much on the samatha aspects of meditation, concentration, focusing, gathering, the awareness, using the breath as a focus, as a support for enabling a settling of the mind. The other aspect of meditation that some of you have mentioned already is vipassana, so samatha vipassana, vipassana insight. So these two very much go together in my experience. There's a very clear connection between them. As I said when I spoke about the Eightfold Path, in order to really investigate, to study the mind and body in any deep way, there needs to be a measure of calm. We have some perspective on the thinking mind. Otherwise, we're totally caught into our thinking and the stories that our mind is telling us totally caught into it, totally identified with us. And it's difficult to have any perspective on that. So yesterday we were putting effort into gathering the awareness. That was what we were doing, just gathering the awareness. And as we were doing that, we um, were able to have a sense of the nature of the mind, how it works, and how many of the functions of the mind, much of the thinking of the mind is much less under our control than we like to believe. (laughs) We like to believe that we choose to think, but in reality, what we discover when we try to focus the awareness with the breath is that actually there's a kind of energy in thinking, and it's more a matter of learning how to live with that, how to manage that, rather than seeing that as an integral part of who and what I am. This is quite an important insight, in fact. So vipassana is looking into our experience. The Buddha offered a very helpful teaching on what we call the four foundations, four establishments of mindfulness, or the frames of reference. There's different translations. I think nobody's come up with the perfect translation for this word. But basically, when we are caught into a pattern of thinking, when we are disturbed or distressed about something or interested in something, how do we establish presence? You know, what can we do to establish presence? What can we do to get out of our head? and make contact with Dhamma rather than be carried away by all the ideas about who and what we think we are and what we should be doing and what everybody else should be doing, how do we establish present moment awareness? So the Buddha presented four foundations. First one is the body. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a a little while. But this physical body that we've been born with and that will be with us until our last breath. The body will die and it will change. But right now, this is what we have and this is what we're working with, what we're living with. Feelings, 
is the second foundation. As many of you know, feelings in Buddhism, the way that it's translated is not the same as emotions. I mean, there are feelings associated with emotions, but it's not like the feelings of grief or anger or love or creativity or any of these things. But feelings are very, very simply put in Buddhist terminology. The word Vedana, feelings can be either pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So pleasant feeling of mind or body, neutral feeling of mind or body, unpleasant feeling of mind or body. Very, very simple categorization, but very helpful as a foundation for presence because what we can observe is that certain of our experiences we want more of. You know, when we have a pleasant meditation, we want more of it. That's a pleasant feeling with things that we just want to get rid of as quickly as possible. That's unpleasant feeling. And then the neutral ones are the ones that we don't really notice very much because it's neutral. And in fact, most of our life is fairly neutral for most of us. It's not too extreme. So we tend to notice. What we tend to notice most is the unpleasant feeling. That's the one that brings about the strongest reaction. You know, if we have some kind of physical pain or a really difficult mind state, feeling of rage or anger or fear or despair or grief, sorrow, these are things that we tend to regard as something has gone wrong. <laughs> this shouldn't be. This shouldn't happen. This is bad. And we want to get rid of it or change it as quickly as possible. What we can do using this foundation as a resource is when we become aware of, say, feeling glum, a bit down, not very bright, not very confident. And I don't know about you, but when I have that kind of mood, there's often a feeling of, what can I do about this? Something's wrong. How can I make myself feel better? A sort of feeling that there should be something that I can do about it. But actually, the most helpful thing we can do about it, or one of the most helpful things, is to establish mindfulness. And we can use feeling to do that. So we can just recognize this is an unpleasant state, unpleasant condition. Now, rather than feeling that there's something that's gone terribly wrong, or that we have to do something about it. This is an unpleasant condition. Or if there's something that we're really enjoying, just to recognize this is a pleasant condition. And as I said before many times, every condition is changing. So it's not that we necessarily have to intervene or do anything. It's going to change on its own. Coming back to the body, what we can also do with these emotions is to actually see how they register in the body. You know, what happens to the body when you're feeling a bit glum? don't know about you, but I tend to be a kind of hunching up, a closing down, a lack of energy, which is very different from when we're feeling very bright and positive, where the body is much more kind of open and energetic and a sense of gladness and joy that's actually reflected in the body. 
So feelings is the second foundation of mindfulness. The third one is the mind itself, jitta, we call it, the heart. And earlier on, we did the chant of, I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with loving kindness. This is kind of suggesting a very kind of expanded consciousness, expanded sense of being, and this lovely kind of radiant qualities of kindness, compassion, joyfulness, equanimity. These are what we call the Brahma Viharas, and actually they're immeasurable. They're vast. So you can sometimes, you know, in your meditation, or even when you were chanting, perhaps, you know, if you were focused in the heart, just this lovely sense of expansion. And you can contrast this with what happens if somebody hurts you or says something mean to you. What I find happens, you know, if somebody challenges me or accuses me of something or speaks harshly to me, is that clamping down, the heart constricts. It clamps down. So you can actually experience that. You can notice that in your own practice. Rather than making any comment or judgment about the conditions, is just to notice the effect on the jitta, on the heart. You can notice the heart when it's you know, agitated. You know, there's a kind of a lot of thought happening and just a feeling of of agitation, a lack of clarity, or a kind of cloudiness, dullness, you know, not really seeing things clearly. And I often liken the heart to like the room that we're in. So right now, I'm in the shrine room here at Amarawati, and it's a lovely sunny morning. So the room is bright. And there's two other people here apart from me. So it Compared with a, a normal retreat time when we have 50 or 60 people here, it, it actually feels rather empty, spacious. And I'm very much aware of the other people here. I don't like to call them objects, but <laughs> the other people here, the other beings who are here with me. But the basic feeling is, well, a spacious, empty space with a couple of mind objects or people here. So it's a little bit like this with the mind. The jitta is like the container. And it can be, it's affected. So when it, at nighttime, if you walk in here to the shrine room, it's completely dark. You can't see anything. Right now it's very bright, so you can see things very clearly. So that's one way of thinking of the jitta or the heart. Jitta nupasana, awareness, using the heart as a foundation, the condition of the heart or the mind. We tend to kind of use heart and mind rather interchangeably, but jitta means like the bit that what's affected by the experiences that we have. Then there's dhamma, which is sometimes translated as mind objects. This is dhamma with a small d, as opposed to dhamma with a big d, which is the truth. The refuge in dhamma is the truth. But Dhamma with a small d just means things or phenomena. So this is the fourth foundation. And I find this one very helpful. There's different ways that it's spoken about in the scriptures. What's often spoken about is 
looking at the mind objects in terms of particular teachings. So like noticing the presence or the absence of what we call any of the five hindrances. No lust, no desire, sensual desire, aversion, negativity, ill will, drowsiness, sloth, torpor. <laughs> Don't really like those words, but drowsiness, dullness, restlessness and agitation, udachakakucha, or doubt. Just noticing if these are present in the mind and the kind of thoughts associated with those conditions. Contemplating the Four Noble Truths, you know, suffering, the origin of suffering, cessation and the path leading away from suffering. Contemplating in terms of the five khandhas, form, feeling, perception, mental formations and consciousness. Another aspect of the teachings that we can use to support our contemplation. Enlightenment factors, the Eightfold Path. So using the teachings in relation to any experience that we might be having. The other way that I think this could be understood when we think about mind objects is actually noticing thoughts. Being aware of the kind of thoughts that we're having as thoughts happening in the mind. Contemplating thought, contemplating the space around the thoughts. Noticing how thoughts come and go and change, noticing the effect of particular thoughts on our sense of who and what we are. So there's a very, <laughs> I find it an amusing a strategy that the Buddha presented for letting go or managing distracting difficult thoughts. One of the things that we can do is to think these thoughts very, very consciously. So sometimes if we're upset about something, what I find is that the mind goes into a kind of inner tirade, <laughs> a sort of a pattern of thinking that can be very exciting, very enlivening, but not particularly helpful. So a way of establishing mindfulness rather than being caught up either in following the thinking or trying to shut it down or do something about it, what we can do is actually just pick out a thought, you know, and verbalize it. I am really upset with that person. She shouldn't have done that. Or even just, she shouldn't have done that <laughs> as a phrase. It could be anything. And what I found, you know, if I'm really upset about something, that as soon as I do that, as soon as I pick out isolate one particular thought from the tirade, from the flood, <laughs> and just say it to myself, immediately everything calms down. It's as though we establish a perspective on the thinking that's happening, rather than being overwhelmed by it. So you might like to try that. You can either just mentally isolate a thought, and you can visualize it written down, or different kinds of font, different kinds of color, and so on. You can play with it in that way. Or you can actually write it down on a piece of paper. Now, I often find that writing things down can be a very helpful way of just getting a perspective on some of the thinking that goes on. So like grounding it, bringing it down to earth. So these are some ideas about working with mind objects, with dhammas. So there's 
foundation of mindfulness in the body, rupa, you know, form, feelings, the mind itself and mind objects that arise and cease in consciousness. <laughs> 